Catherine Corbishley is business continuity supervisor at a large global corporate law firm. Like a lot of the people we spoke to, Catherine's path to business continuity was fairly organic. She was managing crises and recoveries long before it became her job title. The hospitality industry, as it turns out, is an excellent proving ground for continuity practitioners. Due in large part to the public-facing nature of their services, anything that threatens the customer experience can have serious and immediate consequences. It's a very direct relationship with risk that requires a lot of improvisation and smart decision-making to manage effectively. I talked to Catherine about some of the major crises that she's managed for both hotels and law firms, at home and overseas, to uncover the parallels and differences between two industries that you might not typically associate with one another. Here's Catherine. My name's Catherine and I work for a large global corporate law firm. I started here 16 and a half years ago in the hospitality field, supervising the meeting rooms, the recep- all the client-facing activities, the telephones, the reception desks. And we had lots of buildings in those days. And then um, after nine years, I managed to sidestep into something new, <laughs> new for us anyway, um, which was uh, business continuity. So I had to learn fast. So I've been doing that now for seven and a half years. We've talked a little bit already about how different industries relate to risks, incidents and crises in their own individual ways. And hospitality is another really good use case for continuity. In larger organisations, particularly B2B, the relationship between disruptive events and their actual impact to customers can feel abstract at times. Whilst a misbred delivery might not sound like as much of a crisis as flooding or a major IT failure, for hotels... The distance between disruption and impact to paying end customers is very small. I worked in lots of different hotels. I I studied hotel management and I worked in hotels for 25 years in the UK and overseas. And business continuity wasn't something we thought of much. But that was because when you're working hotels, you're really dealing with problems all day long. You are in crisis mode all the time because things just happen. It could be something simple like your printer jams so you can't print out a bill or the bread delivery doesn't show up, what you're going to do, or the linen doesn't show up because the van had an accident, how are you going to make the beds, or your night manager's sick and you don't know until the last minute that you haven't got anyone to work at night. It could be all sorts of things and so you're constantly juggling to try and keep it nice and smooth like the swan but juggling like fury underneath. Catherine may not have been using any jargon or lengthy acronyms at the time, but she was nevertheless creating a culture of continuity in her role as hotel manager. She often acted as the informal incident and crisis manager, making quick decisions and small adjustments to keep the lights on throughout disruption, quite literally in one case. We did have a power outage once. We had plans for everything. But because we'd not had a power outage before, we weren't expecting it. And it happened at 7 o'clock in the morning. So people in the showers, people trying to have breakfast, people trying to get dressed. And so that was a very difficult day. And the power didn't come back till 9pm. Was that during a busy period for you? Yeah, it was busy. Um, So we had to be very creative. How could we make cups of tea and coffee? Because we could only serve cold breakfast. Couldn't make bacon and eggs. What were we going to tell our guests? We had to make sure that all the staff were on the same message. This is what we're going to do. Luckily, it was summer and all the rooms had windows, so you could see. 
but there were some areas where you couldn't. So I think someone was sent out to buy a whole bundle of torches and things. And we, um, in our lovely lobby, we put candelabra on all the tables, which was helpful. So guests coming in didn't have an idea that the power was off. And they were saying, oh, how lovely, you've got a romantic theme going on today. But we couldn't let people go to rooms. So we had to check them in and then ask them to go away again (laughs) and come back later. In the meantime, we were frantically working out and planning by the hour. Okay, if we haven't got power back by this time, this is what we're going to do. I book hundreds of people out to different hotels, which means huge amount of organisation, arranging lots of taxis, lots of disappointed people, and then you have to compensate them in some way by saying, well, please come and have a free dinner next time you're in London. So it was touch and go, but we managed to keep everyone. Maybe this story explains the hospitality industry's distance from the traditional continuity jargon, despite its constant proximity to crisis. At no point did Catherine mention preserving critical business functions or any such abstract language. Instead, she was creating practical workarounds to real issues firmly grounded in the public-facing front-of-house interactions with guests. Power outages seem to have plagued Catherine's career. We talked about another one she handled at the law firm she now works at. Her first major incident and we discussed her role in bringing continuity planning and incident response teams together to form a coordinated recovery. She refers to herself primarily as a facilitator of plans, and a number of our interviewees echoed this sentiment. The role of a business continuity manager isn't to make decisions in a crisis, it's to provide senior leaders and crisis responders with an accurate flow of information to support the decision making, in order to make the right calls for the business. My job is a facilitator of VC plans, But I'm also on the response team because I know what's in everyone's plans and I've managed a few incidents before. So I am, and my colleague as well, we are key pins in the recovery. So we would invoke the silver team, keep the gold team aware on a watching brief. Don't forget, I'm the one who has to hold the incident review meeting and write the report afterwards. So I get as involved as I can. Well, my first one was in July 2010 when we had a power outage for 13 hours, which was interesting. Okay, it wasn't great because we were still quite naive with our BC. We had plans, but they hadn't been tested to that point. Uh, We didn't have a generator. Well, we had a generator, but it wasn't linked to all the floors. But what we did have was other buildings. So we were able to manage it in a haphazard sort of way um, that People with critical work, client deadlines, could go elsewhere and work. I'd set up a lovely DR site in one of our buildings. It was wonderful. I've got the photos to prove it. Finally, it's all being used. We used to test it, but um, it was it was in use, so it was fantastic. You know, we used to get teams to go across for a couple of hours, and I'd give them an instruction, switch on, <laughs> log on, make a phone call and then just tick if it was okay and what, what their experiences were. But I had signage everywhere, where the printers were, where the toilets were, where the coffee machine was, where the photocopier was, um, or, you know, all those sorts of things. Now, by Catherine's own admission, that was back in 2010 when the firm she works for was still developing their continuity planning activities. A more recent incident that took a number of London law firms by surprise was the Kingsway fire a couple of years ago. Kingsway is a major road in the Holborn area of London. On the 1st of April 2015, a fire started due to an electrical fault in the tunnels running under the road. 
a gas main was damaged, which fueled the fire and caused major damage to the power cables and supply to the area. Flames spewed out of drain covers and the area was evacuated. It took several hours to isolate and turn off the gas supply and some businesses were left without power for several days. The Kingsway occupies the area between London's Legal District and the West End and as a result, many law firms and theatres lost power during critical trading hours. But perhaps more importantly, the fire brought a human safety angle to the recovery. And Catherine has since used the event as the basis for further planning and exercising at other locations. We took the Kingsway fire incident and we uh, redid it for our Milton Keynes office. So with the Kingsway fire, you've actually got two incidents in one. Because despite the fact that you've got a power generator in the building, that won't help you. Because if you were impacted, you had to switch off because it was a safety issue, because they couldn't turn off the gas for four hours. So it doesn't matter whether you have generators or not, your power goes off. Not only that, we were out of the building. So we ended up with 16 action points that came out of it because it was so useful for people to actually see that maybe what they say they would do in their plan isn't quite going to work in this situation. So we need to put this in place or make sure that's how we coordinate it or make sure that this person is in command and control. And it's it's really interesting. So it it meant that lots of things were suddenly in confronting them, like the car park was out of bounds, so they couldn't just get in their cars and drive off. They had to find a different way of getting home. How was everyone going to keep in communication with each other? Where were we going to go if it was pouring with rain or freezing cold? There were lots of things that we'd given some thought to before, but not in enough depth to cope with more than one thing happening at once. And, and that's I'm starting to look at risks in that way now. Because when you start planning, you have to make assumptions. Those assumptions might not always be right, or they might be right, but if there's another element to your incident, it changes things, doesn't it? Exercises are fantastic. Being a facilitator of continuity requires a lot of coordination between different teams. This can be a difficult task at the best of times as you try to reconcile the different perspectives and recovery priorities across the organisation with one another. Catherine works at a law firm with an international presence, particularly in the Middle East, which meant, in the wake of recent civil unrest, she had the task of remotely coordinating incident management and recovery programs. At the moment, we've got seven offices Mm -hmm. in different countries. That's changed over the years. So it started with the Arab Spring, they call it, you know, the uprising. This is in the firm's Cairo offices. Um, So it was more of a safety aspect. So I was tasked with helping them create emergency plans, what to do if there's civil unrest. So that's what I did. So we did it backwards, if you like. <laughs> we, we didn't do the BIA straight away. We looked at the, the real safety risks and we got emergency plans up and running for all the offices. And that was all by telephone conferencing and video conferencing. Not everyone has English as their first language. It was difficult for them to understand the concept. Planning ahead is not something they do an awful lot because whatever happens is God's will. So it was difficult. So I just had to ask them nicely all the time. (laughs) Try and build up relationships. This is, it was the thing. Every office in a different country had completely different risks. So in Qatar, for instance, the risks are less because they're very well looked after by the government. In um, Oman, they're such a peaceful nation. 
that they're more likely to have severe flooding or power outages than they are civil unrest. So it was a really interesting project for me. Yeah, we, we, we planned for impact mainly. We planned for people unavailable, premises unavailable, communications down, systems unavailable and suppliers letting us down. And if we've planned for those particular things, it covers most scenarios, tends to cover most scenarios. Being the bridge that sits between continuity planning and incident response, Catherine needs to maintain both a high-level understanding of the firm's operational requirements, as well as a more granular picture of how individual departments function in order to better support them throughout the disruption. A big part of continuity is understanding how people work, the critical tasks they perform, and the things they need to do them. However, people often misjudge their recovery needs or else overlook systems they need to work effectively. Catherine told me about a method of questioning she's found to be very good at getting people to think through their recovery requirements carefully. Well, when it comes to looking at plans and risks, we instigate meetings with the different teams to go through their plans and ask them what's changed. There's a good rule when you're asking someone something is to say why five times. Why do you do that? Ah, but why do you do that? And why is that happening? So if you can carry on and say why five times, you end up with a half-decent answer. That's the only way to get a, a true understanding. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what they need. I don't know what their busy lives entail. I've got a good idea, but unless... Unless they tell me what they really, really need. So I might just start off by saying, well, what do you do? Okay, I give legal advice to clients. Okay, so what do you need to do that? Okay, so then, well, why do you need that? What would happen if you didn't have that? And then depending on the response, that would be digging and delving even further. Why does it have to be that? And who provides that? And why do you rely on that and not that? And what could you do if that wasn't there? Get them to really think in more detail. We wanted to find out if there were any incidents that had particularly benefited from this line of questioning. And unsurprisingly, Catherine told me about another power outage they'd had to deal with in Muscat. And the fact finding they had to undertake remotely beforehand in order to establish who needed what to work from home in an unfamiliar place. Uh, uh, The latest one was in Muscat. 1st of May, which was a bank holiday here, so slightly less support externally. Um, the government told them the day before they were going to switch off the power for the whole of the next day. So they had to make arrangements. It's not quite so easy working from home in the Middle East where um, a secretary at home might have poor broadband or poor connection and it's very expensive to have data. So if you download one document from your lawyer, that probably uses up the whole data for the month. So there are various issues with that. And there was an awful lot of planning ahead. They had to make sure that everyone could work from home or remotely or from the client's office or from somewhere else the next day, all day. Could have been better. So we're still in the wash-up stage on that. For some people, working from home is a business as usual. They do it all the time. For others, they don't. And suddenly they had to be set up and they had to go home and they had to try it and it didn't always work. Um, So there were lots of things to think about, making sure that everybody had what they needed for the next day, that they had the contacts for people they needed to talk to, 
could have been better, yeah. and they could have followed their plan a little bit better. To give credit to the office manager, she was new and hadn't had much of a handover. She did very good in the circumstances, but could have been a lot better. That's a great illustration of the complexity multiplier that you apply when managing continuity risks across multiple locations and territories. It also highlights the value of planning for the unique risks and impacts at each. The London response wouldn't be appropriate in Muscat. We're going to end with another story about the Kingsway fire from Catherine, and one that seems to tie together her lessons from hospitality with continuity. Whilst Catherine's place of work wasn't affected by the Kingsway fire, her personal life was. She had plans that night to go to the theatre which, as she'll explain, had just about managed to keep the doors open throughout the disruption. It's a nice example that illustrates the value of digging in after an incident and making smart decisions about how to spend limited resources in a way that enables you to deliver the best service possible for customers. So luckily we were about half a mile outside so we weren't impacted here but we were watching it closely because it was a huge area completely blacked out and I was due to go to the opera that night and I did go so I walked and um, I wondered if it was actually going to be on but it was on so they were allowed to keep two of their generators running don't know how they managed it but they did but what I noticed and was really learning a lesson for me was that they had to draft in lots and lots of extra people to answer queries because people were showing up, it was almost dark, and people didn't know where to go or or what was happening. Is the ballet still running tonight? So they had lots and lots of people on the ground guiding people. Obviously, escalators weren't working, lights weren't on. So I didn't realise this. They got three generators there. Um, So we all sat down in our seats. And then the the manager, chief exec, somebody came on stage and said, well, welcome. You'll realise we've got a little problem tonight. Luckily, we two of our generators are running, so you will see a performance tonight. We won't be able to serve you tea, coffee or food. It's all very basic, but we will be able to do the ballet for you tonight. So welcome and enjoy it. And, that, and, and so everyone was cheered, actually, because they were so delighted. <laughs> 